You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and in today's episode, we are sitting down with the tumbling director of Top Gun All-Stars, Sean Guzman. Sean has been a longtime friend of mine, and in today's episode, we get to sit down in person at Dream Camps and talk about how he made coaching tumbling a full-time career, and he gives his best advice on how you can do that too if you're an aspiring tumbling coach who wants to turn this into a lifetime career. We also talk about some business ideas and ways that you can be successful as a gym owner and as a business owner. There's a lot of really awesome nuggets in this conversation. It's a bit of a long one. I hope you tune in to the end. Uh, if you are looking for more great content like this, make sure you check out our Facebook group at Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners uh, on Facebook, as well as check on our website at nextgenowners.com where we have all sorts of great information. You can sign up for our weekly blogs. You can join the academy if you need business coaching and you want to learn how to become a better business owner, a better gym owner. We are there to assist you. Make sure you check those two things out. And if you haven't yet, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Hope you enjoy it. Um, all right. Well, uh, so we are live sitting down um with sean guzman and uh sean for those who haven't listened to the podcast before uh or who don't know you would you mind telling everyone a little bit about yourself who you are what you're doing and what you're up to wow all right well uh so yeah i'm uh sean guzman i i grew up uh in miami florida with top canastars pretty much uh i started there back in like 99 as an athlete, and I pretty much never left. It's uh, family is all there. My sister helped start the dance program. My brother cheered on large code back in, you know, 99, 2000. My mom helps run the books, you know, all the financials. Sister-in-law is in the pro shop. My niece is there. Uh, my other little niece, who's about three, is starting there now too so it's pretty much a family affair you know and now your fiance and now my fiance yes so awesome so um came up in the cheer world and uh we did uh, a podcast episode on the full out cheer podcast uh with dream camps where we talked all about your, your history coming up in the sport and um your current role at Top Gun is as the tumbling director, correct? Yeah, and that was uh, more by it was by choice. Uh, I coached teams for a really long time. I was involved in, you know, whether I was cheering on a team or cheering on two teams or doing privates and then coaching a team or coaching two teams. I was always wrapped up in the gym every single day. Um, I coached our Lady Jags for a really long time. I coached our 6'6". For two out of three years that we had a 6'6", six, six. Um, I coached our card four team. And prior to that, you know, our junior ones, our senior two, senior threes, our card four. You know, about seven years ago, so about 2017, actually probably a little less than that, um, I took over the Tony program, program 
Um, and that's pretty much what I've done all day, every day since then. Is coach tumbling, talk about tumbling. And that's been my passion for ever since I was a kid. And that was part of the, that was pretty much a part of cheer that attracted me to kind of like every other guy. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I found it a natural, a natural thing to want to, you know, make that my niche because it was just something that I naturally had passion for. Um, I like things that take time to develop and have real no end goal, you know, like a full out routine. Your goal is to hit, right? You know, that's ultimately your goal. Tumbling. It's like an endless amount of goals, you right? Know, just one skill after another and perfecting it. And, you know, it's almost like an endless pursuit of perfection and skill. Cause it's limitless what you can do. Right. And now you've managed to take that passion and that thing that you loved to do and you've managed to turn it into your career. Like this is your, your full-time job. This is what you do. Full-time. Ever since I was uh, eight or nine, it's been, you know, do morning and then two o'clock rolls around, three o'clock, I'm at the gym, you know, all night until pretty much we close it down, you know, 10, 10 30. As I got older, I, you know, I try to make it home a little earlier, you know, right. like all things, life comes up, but I'm pretty much open it up, and close it down when it comes to in gym, actually yes. like yeah. in the gym. Well, and so the reason I bring that up is it's, um, uh, it's something that we hear from some of our clients all the time is that they, you know, there's no way for their staff to be full time. There's no way for their staff to make their living doing this. And even talking to owners who say, man, I owning a gym can't pay the bills. I got to have a full-time job. I got to have these other things so I can do cheerleading. Cheerleading is my hobby. And you've managed to make, and, and you're not the only one, but you've managed to make cheerleading your career and your career in a gym. And um, did you have any like strategy to that or was it just what it was? Uh, honestly, I'd be lying to you if I said that I was going to be in cheerleading my whole life. You know, as a kid, I, I remember always saying, I'm like, oh, I won't be, you know, I won't be 22 in a gym. You know, mind you, I was like 12 or 13 at the time. Right. You know, talking about it, but not really knowing what I was talking about. And over time, it just became something that, you know, it, I guess for me, you know, it was just a lifestyle. Like a lot of gym owners and especially nowadays, they... It's either something that they fell into later on in life, mm -hmm. or you know, maybe they were teenagers. It was just what I did. It just you know, woke up, went to the gym, left the gym, and right back over the next day. Right. Um, I also have a great, uh, how do I say? I have a great thing around me, you know, being with the gym since I was eight years old, allowed me to kind of formulate my own niche or path inadvertently. It was nothing I ever set out to do. And over time, the older I got and the more I realized this is what I kind of wanted to do, I guess this is, this is what I'm doing. And I can't think of anything else I would ever do. Yeah, and I mean, it, it makes sense also. I mean, you are arguably in one of the top five most storied programs in the country. I mean, Top Gun is 
you have to live under a rock to be an all-star cheerleading and not know who Top Gun All-Stars is. So you, you get to also work in that, that environment. And, and people that, um, you know, Kristen and Victor Rosario, who many people in the cheer industry would oogle and awe over to talk to them and, and hang out with them and learn from them. That's like, you know, mom and dad, sort of. Uh, pretty much. And I think what people fail to see is the constant work mm-hmm. that they put in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I've only been in one gym, so I don't know as well as other people that may have gone different places or have grown up, you know, in one place and worked in another place. I don't know what it's like, but it seems like to me that you don't find two people that work harder than them. Like, Kristen is up 10 a.m., doing emails and she's working straight through one, two in the morning, like backbone of that gym. Mm -hmm. And Victor up until, you know, maybe six months ago till he was helping formulate the logistics of the way the gym ran a lot more fully. Um, He would be in the gym three o'clock doing privates with, you know, all ages, all levels, ones to level six, and just grinding, as they say. Right. You know, which you don't see most gym owners at 27 years of owning a business, 28 years, still inside the gym, teaching a back pinky over, teaching a back walk over to a private. And that's just how it was. You know, so I've had great role models and great people around me that have allowed me to kind of never want to leave or realize I have so much more to learn in such a short amount of or such long period of time I should say not short amount of time right I I know I I know you're not you're not Victor you're not Kristen how much of that like Victor being in the gym how much of that in your opinion was was passion for the sport and the education and the and the growth and the coaching and how much of that was need because no one else could do it and he needed to be the man doing that or, or Kristen needed to be the person doing that versus they choose to do it because it's what they love to do. It's a choose they do. They choose to do it because it's what they love to do. And you can't, I don't think again, I'm, I haven't been in it as long as that, but I don't think you can do something for that long period of time when there's an ego involved. I think it has to do straight out of passion and it, to be able to do that day in and day out and you know the clock's done the gym's shutting down and it's still going it's still happening yep and of course there's always a need for it there's always something that needs to be done an email that always needs to be sent an athlete that always needs one more rep or whatever the case is but I just think it you, you can't do that long term and do it for the wrong reasons. I think eventually you burn out if it's not a passion. Right, right, absolutely. You know? I'm sitting in the squeakiest chair, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure our, uh, listeners are, are hearing this. Um, every time I move, it's like, uh, sounds like a horror movie, but. <laughs> it's all right, I sound like a bag of rocks. Yeah. Listen to this thing. And I think that it's interesting though, you, you're giving them a lot of credit and well-deserved credit, but. 
I've noticed from having worked with you over the years, you have that same passion in what you do in tumbling. And I, I mean, do you think that has, and you're going to get uncomfortable with this, do you think that has anything to do with why you are potentially one of the top five tumbling coaches in the country? Uh, I would well, yeah, think he's, he's Yeah, he's going he's gonna to argue with me, but everyone listening, if they know him, knows it's true. It Everyone has something that they shine at, and I think there's always something to learn from everyone around you. So, But, I mean... Uh, I've gravitated towards it just because that's what I've always done. I was always a tumbler growing up. That's what I like to do. I spent hours in the gym, hours just doing that. So I think naturally it's one of those things where, you know, you're, it, when it comes easy, it's not work. When it, it's just something that just you do naturally, it's it's not work. Yeah, but it just, it, it, let's let's be honest. How many hours a day do you spend perfecting your craft? And your craft is coaching tumbling. So, yeah, you've been doing it for a long time, but how much time do you spend looking at other videos and, and looking at other coaches and analyzing what other people are doing or what, what just looking at tumbling that isn't your specific athlete? Like, how much of your time is going into, or and maybe it's not as much every day right now, but how much time do you spend perfecting your craft right now? Uh, I think it goes back to win, like what the catalyst was of it because I didn't always do it like fully all in. I think one of the best things that ever happened to me and people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this is I I blew my knee up and people are like, well, why was that the most important thing to happen? Because it put things in perspective where because I couldn't do it anymore it forced me to be able to look at it a different way mm -hmm. personally when I was trying to come back from an injury. And it took me a long time to come back from an injury because I just kept on redoing it. And I was a, I was a terrible, like if I coached myself, I'd be like, oh my God, what are you doing? Just stop. Oh, just stop. Like get this figured out. And I think by being that, it allowed me to kind of switch and realize, well, Inadvertently, again, this was not at all purposeful. I think this is something that people need to realize. Like, it wasn't something I like went out there and thought to do. It just, it just happened like this. Right. It forced me to do it in a different way, and it forced me to be more about making other people understand it versus me trying to be the best at it. Because by no means was I the best tumbler. I threw very difficult skills, but it wasn't the best technique. But it forced me to be the person that looked at it from a technique side versus a just throw the skill and make it hard. And I think it, it just kept on evolving time after time and day in and day out being in the gym. Okay, well, how can I get this person to figure out how to do this skill? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I at one point never would have thought of it like this. How can I get them to think of it like this? What took me... X amount of years to realize how can I get them to realize this? You know, and, and again, it goes back to the endless pursuit of you're never perfect, but how can you make it better? And just constantly being in the gym every day with the same kids. You know, well, how can I get them to eventually get this perfect or close to perfect so they can get that next skill 10 years down the road perfect?
Right. You know. Yeah, and I so you're talking about how you started, right? How you how you began this journey as a coach. What I was asking or what I'm trying to drill down into is how much time you spend now learning. Like there's a difference between what you do, the craft that you do, which is coaching tumbling, and then perfecting that craft by study, whether that be reading, that be watching videos, that be absorbing from other coaches, having dis- you know critical discussions where you're discussing technique. You know, how much time are you spending outside of the gym, really perfecting what you do? It's. It's exposure, and I say that because every single time I'm with a kid in the gym and or an athlete or anybody or a coach, it's learning. So if I'm coaching this one athlete, I'm also learning the sport because I have to be able to explain my experience over the last X amount of years and sum it up for this individual to learn how to do this skill or learn how to understand this technique. So like... I think it's constant every single time I'm in the gym. It's every single time I look at another sport Mm -hmm. and analyze another sport, whether it's uh, gymnastics, right? Like we all know, whether it's pole vaulting to understand angles, whether it's uh, powerlifting and Olympic lifting to understand strength and explosiveness. Like you're, I think when you get to a certain point, everything you do, you're analyzing and learning from because, okay, well, how can I take, this and apply it to this because maybe one day I get an athlete in the gym that is an expert rock skipper, you know. And then okay, well now I know about how to yep. Throw now you a got angles. Lake and yep. angle it, and I can explain it to this person. Like any time I can do something in any form or shape, I guess I've gotten to a point where I'm I'm already thinking about how that translates to movement or coaching or or explaining or getting this so you know constantly 24 7 i would say well that that's kind of what i wanted to get to right i i was i was i was trying to force you down that road a little bit because for those people who haven't met you um i think one of the things that makes you so successful as a coach um is your ability to relate those things and really break it down whether the athlete has tons of experience in tumbling and, and cheer or whether they're brand, brand new. And it comes from, in my opinion, uh, outsider looking in from a relentless pursuit for the excellence of your craft. And you just are always, always growing and always learning. And um, what I find so or found so initially surprising by when we first started working together was, you know, here I am owner of Oregon dream teams out in Oregon running dream camps and you were willing to like listen to my opinion on tumbling listen to my my thoughts and my experience and go oh yeah that like almost like you were learning from me even though I was learning like mountains from you and but you'd take some little nugget of something I said and and you gave me that respect and that uh, understanding like I it there was no ego involved at all. And, and people don't know you, but it was just so rare to find someone who literally just doesn't, there was no ego in it in any way. It was just literally all about how can I gain knowledge, put that knowledge together and then 
place that into athletes' minds. And like, it's just, it's fascinating to see someone do. And I, I maybe it's a personality trait. I, I look at people every time I meet them, I'm like, they probably know something I don't. You know, like if I, if, I don't want to ever get to a point where I, I meet my, I meet somebody, and I think I know everything. I have to go into every situation, thinking they probably know something I don't know, because they very well do. In whatever form, shape it is, they right. know something I don't know. And even with athletes, they'll do something, even if it's by accident or even if it's because it's natural. And I'm like, wow. I like that. How can I make that part of my arsenal? Or how can I make that part of my toolbox to be able to explain it to somebody else later on down the road that may learn or feel the same way as that person? So, you know, maybe, like I said, personality, maybe it's culture, maybe it's the way I was raised, maybe it's just the idea of the fact that I'm not perfect at anything by any means. So... Clearly, there's something I need to learn from somebody. You know, maybe it's you, maybe it's that person, maybe it's the person down the street, maybe it's the person that I'll meet in two years, but there's always something I can take, whether it's a skill, whether it's an idea, whether it's a way to explain it to somebody. Maybe it's nothing to do with tumbling at all. Maybe the way they do something is going to help me explain it in baskets or jumps or uh, you know motions or whatever the case is somebody else may be able to show me something that will help me like oh light bulb that's what i can do to help this person later on down the road yeah absolutely and i think one of the the unique things that that anyone listening to this uh can learn whether it be from a coaching perspective or whether it be from a, a business owner perspective is that that constant willingness to learn and grow and, and find something that someone else knows that can then inspire them to do something different, better, uh, more unique and, and, and then de- turn that into a deliverable. Um, and it's such a, it's a rare trait. Uh, and it's, it's really cool to see now side changing, changing courses. Um, I don't want to go too in depth onto tumbling technique and those things because we've had those conversations before. Um, but you've, like I've mentioned before, you've managed to turn coaching tumbling into a full-time job, into what you do to pay the bills, to put food on the table, uh, to buy a house. And those are things that some people, in fact, I would argue, uh, 80, 90% of the coaches in this industry don't think is possible. Um, and living in Miami. And living in Miami, which is not super cheap. So just putting that out there. Yeah. So <laughs> how is it that you, how'd you do that? How did you make this your your job? And, you know, like literally your full, how did you make it subsidize you? And then what has your journey been? Because where you were when you were probably 18 starting, you were like, I just made a thousand dollars this month. You know, it crushed it. A thousand dollars would have been a 
God said when yeah. I was 18 years old. You were like, yeah, Jesus. right? Like, that I was, was huge. I was, I was charging $20 an hour for a single person in a private at 18 up until like a couple of years ago. So that would have been. Right. So, so you went, you went from there where it was like, hey, I can pay the rent. I bought my Mustang. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, that's my baby. Yes. Bought my Mustang <laughs> and I'm living the good life. Like, I, I I shopped at Whole Foods once this month, you know, and now where you've bought a house and you're looking at buying more, like you're looking at diversifying your portfolio and like, you know, getting married and, and doing these things. And, and as we've talked about spending less time in the gym, coaching private lessons and doing that stuff where it's like, yeah, you want to do that still, but not, not from... 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. every day. I all make day. my coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, financial I, advice here, people, is what we're doing. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, talk me through, if you can. That was a, a long description. What has your progression been like as a uh, as a coach who has made this a career? You know, where did you start, and where are you at now? Okay. And I think, you know, it's, I was talking to a buddy of mine that's also a tummy coach in this industry. And he's like, his big thing was like trying to figure out how to make coaches in our industry understand that there's ways in to be able to make yourself successful and be able to make this a career. Um, so it's funny you bring this up. I mean, naturally, I am not a big spender, just naturally. But again, not everyone lives like that. So I mean... So yes, me, Sean. What is your ideal ideal lifestyle? Just so people can understand. I'm, I, I, the only thing I really spend my money on is on like snowboarding, pretty much, is what you're trying to say. But yes, I. I I'm when when I first I met Sean, trips, that's it. <laughs> within like a, I think it was the second year you came out to camp, you were like, "I want to buy a van and live in the van and just drive around the country." traveling and you know teach some tumbling clinics like that was your dream that sounded like the perfect life living out of a van in fact i think i even sent you a video of some like super van that like converted yeah, I mean, it's into still an RV. Not out of the picture right and luckily i have, a, have an amazing fiance that is all about it but that's not out of the picture I, you're kind of you're kind of the hippie style like that lifestyle is is <laughs> You're down with that. I call it, uh, I'm Switzerland. I work with everybody and I love everybody. Yes. So it's what I, yeah. I, I like to consider myself. But like low, you, you know, you're not, you're not sitting here with your, uh, showing up with your Louis Vuitton baggage <laughs> and like no. Sean shows up for a camp with like his, uh, his $15 backpack shoved full of whatever it is he needs. Cause he's like, Oh, you don't need to get me a check bag. I can, I can fit it all in my carry on. I have a roller right now. All right. So, oh, you upgraded. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess for me, like, other than, you know, I'm just not a spender. That's just not how I am. Um, I, I, I grind, I guess, you know, and I think a lot of people, and that's another reason why I like tumbling, that it does, you have to put in the time. Mm -hmm. There's, you cannot get out of it what you want if you don't put in the time equal to what you're trying to get. You know, so you have to give 100% if you want 100% out of it. So, you know, I try to, I try to always be diligent and consistent. 
I'm in the gym at 2 and I leave at 10. I'd be lying to say if I didn't have a great setup at the gym. Mm-hmm. As far as when it comes to the way private is set up, the way I can schedule my own, pretty much. And we don't need to go into all those details because I think it varies from program to program. Of what course. Works for of each course. program. Of course. But it, I guess it is important to say because I get to run my own mini business of private lessons in mm-hmm. the gym along with my responsibilities as being a tumbling director, whether it's like scheduling classes and making sure the classes are covered and the curriculum, you know, and, and, and the equipment, that, that sort of stuff. But I think it's, it's the fact that to me, I treat this as a full-time job. A lot of people don't. Yep. And just like any career, you have to put the time in at the beginning with little to no return. And that comes from, and there was a lot of other athletes in the gym that had the same opportunities that I did, but I would always do the things that never got the paycheck behind it. Mm-hmm. Come in, fix the floors, come and take out the trash, clean the gym, stay up, stay out late or stay there late and, you know, lock the gym up, make sure it's, it's, you know, cleaned up and organized the way it should be. Right. So I guess that naturally developed the work ethic of, Hey, just put in the time and you'll get, you'll, you'll reap the benefits of it later. So it was, for me, it was always just consistency being in the gym when it opened, leaving when it closed and just always being there. The main thing, and I think this was like the honesty, the catalyst of what allowed me to do this because it was always this case. I found my niche. I found what it was that I was able to give not only to the program, but ultimately be able to give to the industry. Right. It It, took you a while to find that too. Cause I mean, you, you said yourself, you stopped coaching teams only six, yeah, six years ago, 2017. So whatever that was, uh, six years ago, six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what allowed me to kind of really knuckle down because for me, the teams didn't supplement the amount of income that I was making with the other things because of the fact of the way the way we, we were set up at the right. gym. Mm-hmm. You know, and choreography was never my thing, so I couldn't go leave for, you know, weekends on end and doing choreography because that just wasn't how I was able to supplement right. my time. I just I was never that just was wasn't my thing. But I always naturally gravitated towards stumbling. It was something that I always did even before I stopped coaching teams, I was doing private lessons and it just made sense to me again, because I guess I was always in the gym doing it. Um, it got to a point where, you know, I, I wasn't really happy coaching teams anymore. It wasn't something that right. fulfilled me. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole story for another time, but it, I just didn't like where the industry was when it came to competitions and teams. The minute I stopped coaching teams, and again, I'm not telling people to go out there and stop coaching teams. That's not what I'm telling you to do. It was right for you. It was right for me. Yeah. For some people, it was picking up choreography. For some other people, it was maybe being a uh, a stunt technician in your gym and doing stunt lessons, or right. maybe you're a great, you know, cheer person and you can do motions, and that was just your, right. whatever your thing was or is. That's what allowed me to develop my niche and in our gym we're being a very I guess you can call it creative and choreography based gym 
that's what most of the coaches gravitated towards was choreography. Right. So it allowed them to run teams and do their things in the summer on the weekends and make their money that way. Um, I got lucky that the owner of the gym, one of the owners of the gym, Victor, was a just a thumbnail coach. That's naturally what he did on top of being a great team coach. That's just what he did. And that's what I had as a... Uh, what am I, as an inspiration right and it's just something that I found was my niche and I was like you know what this is what I'm doing guns blazing and the year I stopped coaching it coaching teams and picked up the dominating program again it was great people that I met along the way that helped me branch out in doing camps and conferences right and coaches trainings and it, it just spiraled into you know where I'm at now so you said two things that I think were um, really interesting and you probably are going to be like, I don't even remember saying that, but I, I think they're, they're both interesting. One is you mentioned running basically a mini business as, as a private lesson coach. And I think that is such a accurate description of the way a lot of people do it. And, um, and, and clearly also how you do run your lesson. I mean, you, you realize that you are running a business, uh, within the business. And if you don't deliver a good product, then people aren't going to buy your product. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then you had said something about how, yes, and you and I've had these conversations offline of, uh, how, you know, your passion for coaching wasn't there and where you were at in the industry. Like you said, it's kind of a conversation for another time, but you also mentioned how, you can make more money doing tumbling lessons, doing, doing the tumbling side of things. There was, that was more lucrative for you. So essentially it incentivized you to be like, I don't need to do this coaching teams thing because the money's over here too. It's like, so all those things kind of coalesced to equal that transition, um, which I bring up because I think that we in the industry sometimes do a really poor job incentivizing what we need people to do and want people to do, you know, being coaching a team, like the industry really wouldn't exist without teams. Like at the end of the day, all-star cheerleading, competitive all-star cheerleading exists because of all-star cheerleading teams. So if we don't have people willing to do the all-star cheerleading team coaching, then the industry isn't there. Right. I mean, now I'm not, this isn't me trying to like call you out or anything. No, like no, no, that. no, no. Listen, um, I get uh, I'm, I'm more just saying as an industry, like that's one of the things we need to look at is what are we paying our coaches? And especially our coaches who coaching a team, you've done it. You've won worlds as a coach. That is like, that is an obsession. I mean, that is blood, sweat and tears for cents on the hour. And what people, like, people don't realize about the way we run. And this is not something that like it's common knowledge, but, our coaches work twice a week, you know, coaching their teams, whether it's an hour and a half, two hours, or two and a half hours, depending on, you know, the the uh, the level and, and, and the intensity of those teams. You know, whether it's, you know, prep or, you know, junior three or large co-ed, whatever the case is. Their extra practices, their Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, our coaches don't get paid for those because they add on 
as a coach, they want their teams. It's a choice. It's a choice. Like there, our coaches choose for our athletes to have one Friday, Saturday, Sunday practice a month, or maybe two, just so they look, you know, well on stage. So, you know, it's one of those things where they're they're giving their time. Like if you want your teams to look good, you have to give your time. Mm-hmm. And that's what it goes back to saying, like working for no return. And team coaches put in just as much of a grind as tumbling coaches. Like tumbling coaches cannot make an income if they don't put in the hours. Correct. They have to put in the because there's only so much you can charge for a private before someone laughs in your face. You know, right? You, you can't go out there and charge two hundred dollars for a private and expect to have a consistent clientele basis. Yeah. You might get two or three here or there. Exactly. You know, the same thing with team coaches, you know, you can't expect to not have weekend practices or not have extra practices and either a, your teams look good or not look good or B you make money or not make money. You know, it's a funny saying like you either make money or you look good as a team coach. Like it's the truth. Or even as like, a gym and you could ask any gym owner you you don't make money the first couple of years even the first you know you know decade you're you're just you just want your kids to be successful you want them to have a good experience the money's second nature like the not second nature the money's second thought you know and for tumbling coaches like you got to put in the hours because yeah you may charge an x amount of dollars now but that's not really sustainable. So you have to be able to have a passion for it because the hours don't always indicate the amount, what you think you should make. And right. What, what I want to see, basis. what I want to see is that, that uh, formula, that belief get inverted in our industry because that is the most, you hear that all the time. You don't make money as a gym owner or you don't make money as a team coach or you're not going to make money for five to 10 years. You know, you do this cause you love it. It doesn't have to be that way though. If people run good businesses and they know they actually educate themselves and they get better at running a business. And I say this from the perspective of being that owner who, and I don't make millions, not even close, but you can run a profitable business that supports your coaches and gives them a, a fair wage and pays them well and gives your athletes a good product that they can look good. Now, I don't know. I'm not Top Gun. Let's be honest, right? I'm not winning worlds every year uh, or any years as the case may be. Um, But I think our teams look good. Not the greatest, but they're good. Um, And I think that you can. You can get to a point where you are successful on the mat and as a business. And the amount of kids and people in the industry that you can positively impact if your business is actually successful is higher. You can do more when you're not worried about, am I going to be able to pay the rent? Am I going to be able to pay my coaches? Right? Like there's, there's actually more positive that you can do by being a successful business. That's going to stay open for years and years and years to come. And I think a lot of it has to do with consistency. 100%. You have to be consistent. Whatever it is that you're doing has to be consistent. 
you know, as whether you're a gym owner and you spend a year and then you kind of just give up because you don't see the benefits after a year. Or, you know, you're in the gym maybe once every other day. Well, I mean, you have to put in the time. Like, yep. there has you to be. You may be able to get there someday. Yes, of course. But not the first year. Of course. And that, that's with anything. You have to put in the time. And as far as being on the tumbling coach's side, you, you cannot be a good tumbling coach and not have put in the time, in my opinion. Like, right. you can't just do this for a year and expect to be the best tumbling coach and be the most successful. Not even close. It, it's the same thing as a gym owner. Like, you have to be able to put in the time and be okay with limited to no returns at the start. But it's like it's like an investment. Mm-hmm. You, you're investing in your business or you're investing in your craft or you're investing in whatever it is. You will eventually see the benefit. And for me being able to make this a career, you know, again, as a kid, this wasn't what I originally thought of. Right. But it just stayed consistent without even realizing it. And now... You know, and don't think like I'm not going and doing camps all year long for weeks on end. Right. Where no. most people can go to a camp and make great money. Like I'm in the gym Monday through Thursday mm-hmm. from the time it opens to the time it closes. I can tell you though, all this is a fact because every time I contact him to try and book him for things, <laughs> that is the first consideration. It is. It, it really is. And and we're pretty good friends, and I know. It's going to be harder to get you away during a Monday through Friday time frame. Um, definitely Monday through Thursday. And if so, you're going to be like, well, we're closed that week. So yes. Right. Like, so you do make that consider. I mean, that's fact. I'm, I'm backing you up that that is not just lip service. Well, it's, you don't bite the hand that feeds. Like I know where my home base is. I know where I know what got me to where I'm at. Yeah. So I'm going to give, my gym and my kids everything I can because it's right. not fair if I don't give them everything I can but I'm giving other people everything I can for an own personal return right 100% you know and you said another thing a while back as we were talking that I think relates to this but uh, you were talking about how one of the reasons you're as successful as you are in as a as a tumbling coach and this being your full-time job was having having good mentors and, and the environment that you came up in and, and having mentors and having that support and people to learn from and say, this is, you know, this is how, this is good work ethic and these are good approaches and, and having Victor, who is a tumbling coach by trade, to learn from. Um, and that same principle applies, shameless plug, that same principle applies in business. Well, you, if you have people to learn from, if you have people to mentor you, you are, can get better faster. It would just be like a kid coming in and going, I want to learn how to tumble, but I don't need anyone to coach me. Well, I mean, it's that old saying, you are the product of the five people you hang out with the most or you're around the most. You know, if you're hanging out with four lazy people, you're going to be the fifth. So if you surround yourself with great people, whether it's inadvertently or purposely, mm-hmm. you're 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 going to be in an environment that's going to bring you up. And I've had great people. I've, I've been lucky. And, I'm, I'm, and you know, I, I use the word lucky because 
Yeah. It, it wasn't by choice that I got to be where I'm at. Like, well, I was eight years old and I just happened to be in a great place. So it's been with Victor and the people that he's brought around. And then because of that, I've got to meet people like Debbie Love. Right. I've got to meet people like Shay Crawford. I've got to meet people like, like Ramel from mm-hmm. World Cup and Casey and everyone that has been able to around me bring me up and have given me the opportunities or have taken the chance on bringing me up to their you know, home base, their gym to work with their kids. Right. It, it's a very humbling experience when you walk into a gym like, you know, World Cup. I grew up around them and they are one of the top gyms in the nation and I've got to go in there and work with their kids because right. their so many coaches trust me. And, and I'm, by no means am I old. I'm really only 32, which in, you know, it's really not that old if you think about it compared it's to not. some of the people that have paved the way and been pioneers in the industry. Right. So to take the chance on a 32-year-old when you've been running a business for 29 years. Right, right. You know, like an Elaine Pascal or, or a Joel, you know, or right. being able to go out to successful gyms like California All-Stars or being able to go up to any other gyms that I've been able to work with. And it, it it's allowed me to realize, okay, the people I've, around, I've had around me have gotten me to this point. So it, if you surround yourself with those people mm-hmm. or make it a point to at least learn from them if you can't surround yourself around them. Right. It's, you know, watching their webinars or watching their conferences at different places or listening to their podcasts because, you know, this podcast has have had great people on it. Jason Larkins from mm-hmm. American has great people on there. So being able to just listen to that alone yep. allows you to be exposed to the things that you don't normally get to be exposed around. And maybe that can be your five people. Yeah, you know? 100%. There's, there's so many different ways to be learning. And you arguably upgraded your circle about four years ago, right here in Oregon. And... <laughs> I'm talking about his fiance, Callie. Um, but, you know, having been your friend before you met Callie and then now your friend after you guys have been together uh, for years, you know, I've seen that there's been a shift. I mean, you are the the you that I met in 2016 or 2017, whenever it was. If I had talked to you about business, you would have been like, Psh. I, I charge this much for a private lesson. Like, you know, the conversation was your dog, your Mustang and tumbling <laughs> like those were the main focuses and and here you are you know you you laughed and nodded when i said diversifying your portfolio but i mean you you bought a house a couple years ago and now you're talking about buying another one and renting cars and or renting uh, houses not cars um and it, i mean i could be wrong but that shift happened right around when callie got involved in your life and Callie has been a, a very business, a little more business-minded person for a few years before she met you. And she was running her own camp company and, and that. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, to me, this has always been, you know, it's always been, well, I'm coaching Dumbling. Like, that's, that's what it is. And it, with her, I think also too, and I think this happens when anytime you meet somebody that 
is important to you, you realize how you can grow. Right. You know? Um, so I think maybe personally, I've grown uh, also where we're talking about six years ago. I mean, I was 26 to me, 26, 25, 26. I was, you know, a kid. And at 26 years old, you should have your head on kind of straight, you know? Uh, but again, for I mean, me, yeah. To me, this has just been normal. Like growing up in the same gym has been normal. And this it's just what it is. And sometimes you need something else to maybe shake you up, maybe more responsibilities, whether it's, you know, having a family to worry about or having other things, you know, to worry about. But I think also too, it's realizing that in the last six years, the last seven years, and it's right around when I started doing what I'm doing now, and I think, I mean, you kind of met me right at the starting point of not coaching teams and trying to I did. pave my own way in the industry, whatever the case it is. It was the summer after your last year coaching Lady Jags, uh, I believe. Uh, no, summer 2016, so that was my last year coaching Lady Jags. That was right up, that was my last year. So that summer would have been my last year with them all the way through. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think also, too, it's just... I've had great opportunities from then till now and realizing that I can help the industry in a way that I never thought I could before. Right. That's true. Obviously the best uh, opportunity you had was working dream camps, but Oh, totally. And I'm, and it's, and it's, I'm not, I'm I was not, being facetious. I was, I was kind of joking. And I'm really not being, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt right now. Like, I don't know if you need to edit that out, but... I don't think I do. I think right. we can say but. All right, just, say, just make sure. It really is one of those things where it allowed me to be exposed to an entire group of the industry that I've never got to be exposed to before. Growing up in the East Coast, you know, in Miami, in our own little bubble down there, you know, cheerleading is not as vast and I know that's weird to say, coming from Top Gun, but it really isn't. We try to, we kind of, kind of stay in our own little world down there. So it's, it's allowed me to be exposed to an entire side of the industry and an entire group of people that I normally never would have been able to be exposed to. You know? Yeah. So. For sure. And I, I, one of the things that's always been cool is the relationships that get built, and then seeing people that meet out here, then go out and work together, and and be at other camps and get married, get married as the case may be. Um, but it, dream it's camps where dreams are made where dreams are made. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool thing to see, uh, everyone grow. And I, I know I personally, like I look forward to every year learning so much as I, as I sit and listen to people teach and, uh, every year I'm picking up new things and, you know, now gosh, the, the tumbling coach that was me when I was, 18, 19, 20, uh, would not recognize the knowledge that I have now. And, and and I was trained by Olympic gymnasts back in my day, but I still had so many things that I've learned every year. I feel like I learned something new. And that's one of the cool things about getting to work with, with people like you and Callie who, who travel and, and get to experience and see other perspectives too. I, I always found it fascinating to be in, 
you know, to travel with Callie down to Missouri and, and work in a gym and, you know, you're working in a, a small little gym, you know, a 3000 square foot facility and you learn something while you're there from them. Like they're paying you to come in and teach them something and you still, you find that little nugget of something that they're doing. And maybe it's not a tumbling technique, but it's the way they structure a class or, um, you know, how often they practice or whatever it is. It can be one of a million different things, but you, you find that little nugget of like, that's a really good idea. And, and going back to how to make this a career, like not just in the gym, but spending time with people outside of it allows you to talk about things that you do in a business standpoint that allows you to be able to be just as successful. Like surrounding yourself with people in the industry that do something similar to what you do. Yep. Maybe able to open your eyes up to a way to be successful in the industry in a bigger standpoint. And I know we kind of jumped around there. We're talking about in the gym and classes sure. and technique, but you know, I think it goes in a full spectrum. You know, sometimes you talk to other coaches and bring around other uh, gym owners or whatever the case is, and there's something they say that kind of like oh, okay, that's the way I can do it to help make my class run better or yep. to make my business run more efficiently. You know, so, you know, I, I think being in a place like this and being around so many different people from different, you know, cliche that sounds backgrounds yeah, or lifestyles or whatever it is has allowed me not just to shift my engine things, but my outside business standpoint and you know bigger picture thought process and and one of the things i think is important to note and um for anyone looking to do this as a coach uh is you and callie both i think are exceptional at this is you understand that more than even just tumbling knowledge although you guys have vast amounts of knowledge in the sport you also know that this is a relationship business and you you treat people well whether it be the kid in your class or the person who's paying you to come out and teach that clinic, you invest and, and you fully commit to delivering a great product for them. You know, you're not the people who come out and go, I need you to be, I need to be picked up in a black sedan at 72 degrees exactly with all green M&Ms. You know, you're just down to earth people and that then inspires people to recommend you to their friends and then their friends recommend you to their friends. And yeah, it's a word of mouth marketing technique, but it is, it, this is a relationship industry. It's a small, it really is a small world. And very quickly, if you have 150 gyms that love you and are recommending you out to all of their friends, you now have a network of thousand. And, and that just, that just pays in dividends over and over and over when you treat people well and you continue to focus on it's about the relationships, right? It's about building that positive relationship and that positive experience for the client. Um, and that's something that you've always just done such a great job at. Well, I think when you're dealing with somebody, you know, in a, in a business standpoint, whether it's in a class or in a camp or in a situation, they're not paying you in money. They're paying you in their time. And the one thing you cannot get back is your time. So why am I going to make that person's time with me be any less than optimal or any less than a time to remember or 
a moment that's going to impact them for the better. Because, you know, I could come in and get paid and leave, but I don't realize by doing that, maybe I made that person's eight hours with me miserable and they can't get that back, you know? Well, and how many, so you, every year I, I try to book you and we always have to work around your schedule. How many? No, I'm not going to uh, let you, I'm not going to let you blame this on me. That's not going to happen. Scheduling conflict. That's not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. He's, he's, he wants to call me out because I changed the schedule. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you. Okay. But I always have to work with your schedule just, just, because, just just because <laughs> on an average year when you travel and do camps, how many new clients would you say you can fit in in a given summer? I mean, I only really do weekends as much as I can. There's, I maybe miss... Right. So, but, but what I'm saying is how many new people, like not returning people who are like, okay, we're booking you again this year. Like how many new people on average do you work with in a given year? I almost, at this point, one, maybe, maybe one, if that, I don't think I'm working with anyone brand new right now because I just don't have the weekends available. And that, so I say that because that is the evidence of the retention, right? People continue, like, you work with someone once, they work with you five more times and, and then on in perpetuity until they close, right? Like, because you're developing that, you're doing exactly what you said. You're developing that relationship and you're making their experience with you optimal. Yeah. I, I, it honestly, like, I don't want to ever leave a place and someone be like, oh, well there, it could have been better. Right. You know, I'm going to give them as much and. I'm going to give someone as much information as I can as much. Cause that's what you're ultimately bringing me out to do. And I'm going to try to do it in a sense where you're going to leave with the information or you're going to leave with at least having a positive interaction. Because if an athlete goes home and they're miserable, what does that say about me? If an athlete goes home and they're elated, that's even better. Right? Okay. Because so wait, wait though. Cause I, I agree with you. But you have such a unique way of doing that. And this, we're already like over an hour into this. And I know, you know, it's, it's maybe 12, 10 uh, in the morning and, and we have to coach camp tomorrow. So dream we, camps. yeah, dream camps. Uh, <laughs> so we're not going to stay up that late, but so you, you do, you recognize that, right? Like an athlete going home pumped about what they did and, and excited about their lesson is valuable because that, that athlete is more likely to return for another lesson or want to come back to a camp that you worked. But you don't just make dreams come true and have people who are doing roundup back cancer back tucks spot them through foals and double foals and standing foals and be like, oh my gosh, you're the best. You give people technique. I mean, I've been to clinics where you work on a passe to lunge to lever to handstand for 30 minutes with level six athletes. So how do you do that? Cause you do it very well. How do you do that? Give people what they need and also make them be really, really excited about it. Uh, I don't know if they're really excited about it, but I, I try to get them to be, I think because I, I'm not with a lot of these kids for a long time. Right. I'm with them for maybe a couple of days, three days. I've been lucky enough to deal with some of these kids for five years in a row here at Dream Games. Most of the time, that's never the case. I think 
for me, I want them to be able to take something that was going to make a difference for them every single day. Because them coming in and then tumbling and then giving them a generic tech or generic correction like, your head is out. Or get your hips up. It's very disingenuine. I'm not giving them anything that's going to benefit them in the long term. I'm going to try to give them something that is going to, whether it's a theory or an idea or a technique, a way to do something. Right. right? Not just a correction. It's a, it's a way to do something. And the why. You do and, a really good job giving people why. Well, reasoning is important. And the younger athletes have a hard time with reasoning just because naturally the way they develop, they don't. Reasoning to them doesn't make sense. So they're, they're more through repetition. But for the coaches, if I go to a coach, if I go to do a camp and the coach is there, I want them to, I want them to be able to understand the why. Because if you can understand the why, you can work backwards to create your own process to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but genuinely, you know, I want them to be able to take something that is going to make a difference every single day in their training. Because I'm not there every single day. They may not understand a correction. But maybe if, you know, an idea of tumble with a beat like music will help them understand to have a better flow. Mm-hmm. You know, or... Think of your angles like a rock skimming across the lake, like something and develop the idea of that's going to help them kind of develop over time versus a general correction that they're going to get from anybody. And hopefully that makes a change. You know? Yeah, I love it. And again, not everybody likes the juice I'm squeezing over here, but. I mean, I, I hear good things. <laughs> I hear good things. So. Awesome. Well, it, it, I mean, we've been going for a bit. Um, it has been amazing as always. We, we probably need to do like a biannual installment on this. Um, <laughs> uh, we've, we've done almost annual, almost, because we did do one during COVID. We did the, the Ewing Cali uh, episode, which was actually really good. We were just talking like that was, if you're looking for an episode where we just talk all things like technique, that was a good one. I mean, we were talking about the round off technique and the hand, like we spent a lot of time, I think yeah. like an hour and a half just talking tech. Um, but it was good stuff. Uh, so that's a good one, but uh, it's, uh, we need to have like a adventures of Sean podcast. I feel like <sighs> no one else hear this voice is <laughs> <This is> rough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, believe it or not, he sounds like this all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of worse on a microphone. I'm sure. Um, you know, it just highlights the raspiness. Yeah, I'm going for like a Rascal Flats. Yes, yeah, Uh, it's working. Yeah, 100%. Um, All right, Sean. Well, thank you, my friend. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.